0: And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have festival respect, the second one is commitment, the third one passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Welcome to the Non-Negotiables podcast. It's Friday morning. Today will be mostly a Burnley preview, like we spoke about yesterday. Um, so Burnley game tomorrow, 3 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday. Rare for us, but always nice. It's uh, these traditional kickoffs obviously disappear for the big teams, but it is nice when you it is nice when you get one. I I think it just I don't know I don't know if it's a hard con back to a golden era or what it is, but it just feels better when it's 3 p.m. on Saturday. Well, it's two teams that come into it in very, very different form. So, we've won four straight league games to start the year. We've scored 16 goals in those four games. By contrast, Burnley have lost five and drawn two of their last seven in all competitions. They've kept no clean sheets. They're second from bottom on 13 points, seven points away from safety. Amazingly, this is only the second time in our history we've started a calendar year with four straight league wins. I couldn't really believe that when, uh, when I read it. But the last time was 1934-35, uh, we went on to win the title that year under George Allison. But that was the last time, and the only time that we started with four straight wins. And should we win tomorrow, make it five straight to start the year, it'll be the first time in our history we've ever done that. It's I think that's a crazy stat. When you, when you think of, all the teams you've had down the years, when you think of that 97-98 double winning team that obviously went on that run after Christmas to clinch the title and the Invincibles team, you, you, you'd think we'd have done this before, but apparently we haven't. So yeah, looking to set a bit of history tomorrow. So people say there's no easy games in the Premier League, and to a certain extent that's true. You you do have to always be careful for the opposition obviously they're in the Premier League for a, a reason no matter what you think and personally I think the, the bottom half of the Premier League this year is as bad as it's ever been possibly even worse um, but this should be a pretty straightforward win for us we should be beating them comfortably this isn't Sean Dyche's Burnley that made life difficult for everybody but even that version of Burnley we didn't have the problems with them that people thought we did. It was it was one of them where it was expected that Arsenal would struggle at Burnley when they went there, but it wasn't wasn't really the case. They haven't beaten us there since 1973. We've played them 17 times in the Premier League. We've only lost one of 17 games. We've won 12. So it's not really the case that we, we struggle at places like this. Um, the biggest threat they pose is they score a lot from outside the box. And when I say a lot, it's seven, which is the second-highest mark in the Premier League, only behind Manchester City. But they've got to get around our box. West Ham didn't get anything around our box last week, and I, I don't expect this to be much different, really. Um, obviously, with us, it's always the stupid individual errors that we worry about. You You really don't get many shots against us unless we literally give them to you. So that would be the main point of concern tomorrow, just don't be complacent. Don't get to the point where you're getting sloppy in possession around our around our backline. And I think we'll be, we should be just fine. Um, obviously, the league table now is starting to take shape. The title running will be starting shortly, if it's not now. We've we spoke yesterday about having no margin for error after those results against Liverpool and West Ham. Uh, over the Christmas period, so we have to win this. We're two points behind Liverpool. We are level with points on City, but they do have a game in hand on us. Um, Liverpool will actually play first on Saturday. They are the early game there at Brentford. I can't see anything other than a Liverpool win there. Brentford have been pretty poor this season, so I can't, you know, I can't imagine that uh, that they're going to be dropping points there. Although obviously it would be handy if they do. We'll have the chance to go to go top. Um, and then Manchester City play uh, Saturday evening. They play against Chelsea at at uh, Manchester City. So, I, you know you can't look beyond a, a pretty big and comfortable Man City win. There, it's you know I think uh, everybody's triple captain Harland in their fantasy team this week, right? So that that pretty much tells you tells you everything you you need to know about this week. So yeah, it's it's pretty much win or bust. We do have to. We do have to get the points here because we just can't afford to drop any more in these sort of games. So let's move on to the team news. Um, Arteta spoke this morning at his press conference. As usual, he spoke a lot and said very little. He always gives nothing away in the team news. Um, In fact, you can't get a much more vanilla, bland quote than this. But this is what he said regarding regarding players who might be back, might not be back. Some of them have been progressing better than others. We have a training session again today. Some of them have done a few bits this week, and I'm positive that hopefully we're going to get a few back for tomorrow. So there you go. Um, clear as mud. So from from what I understand, uh, Fabio Vieira is ahead of schedule. He could be in line for a place on the bench tomorrow. Um, so could Emil Smith-Rowe, but it's Emil Smith-Rowe, so who really knows how that's going to go. He could be on the bench. He could also be out for another three months well, uh, after... See what see what goes with that one. Tomiyasu could be in line for a start. He was left out mainly as a precaution last week because he'd just come back from the Asian Games with Japan. He's back and integrated into the squad again. I think we'll certainly at least see him on the bench. It should be a much stronger bench than last week where we had a couple of names on there that perhaps weren't too familiar to people. I think the bench tomorrow will look a lot different. I would imagine Vieira is going to be on it From what we understand, uh, Emma Smith-Rowe is going to be on it. Either Tomias or Kivu, depending on who starts at left-back, one of those will be on it. It's probably too soon for Jesus, and it's probably too soon for Thomas Partey, although Arteta did say that both of them are close to making a return. I think we might see them against Porto, maybe, from the bench. Um, Zinchenko looks like he's still going to be out. Obviously, Timber is out for a while yet, so I'm not expecting him back anytime soon i think it's going to be another month at least before we before we even see him making an appearance on the bench so yeah i think it might be a very similar side to west ham actually i, I think if there is a change i can only really see it being tomiyasu coming in for kivior at left back but i wouldn't be surprised if arteta decides to err on the side of caution and leave tomiyasu on the bench maybe give him 20 minutes with a view to starting him in porto in the week We'll have to see how this, how this game plays out, I guess, how the game state is. Obviously, the way it played against West Ham, it allowed Arteta to make subs that he probably wouldn't have made had the game been tight. You you certainly wouldn't have seen Ethan Waneri come on. You wouldn't have seen Cedric. You know, those subs don't happen. If the game's 0-0 or 1-0, they were allowed to happen because of the state of the game. So. Hopefully, if we can get this one in hand, we can see something similar. Start preparing for Wednesday night. But first things first, this game has to be won. We we can't be dropping points here. So, it's uh, it's important to keep everybody everybody fit and firing. But it's just as important to play strong teams and, and keep winning. the The idea of resting players for Premier League games is is ridiculous. When we're in the position that we're in, you don't rest for the Premier League games. If you want to rest, you bring them off when the game's won. You you don't you don't start with weakened teams in the Premier League. So, who's the key men for the weekend? I think it's going to be a case of attack versus defence again. We're going to have the vast majority of the ball. We're going to have the vast majority of the territory. It's going to be a case of trying to break them down. Obviously, set pieces have been a big thing for us this season. Everybody's talking about it. We've scored a league high, uh, 11 goals from set pieces, and they're probably going to be important again. Um, Declan Rice is taking some brilliant corners from the left-hand side. It's not something we envisaged when we bought him, but... It's something that's kind of come out of nowhere and turned into a weapon for us. Uh, on the other side, Saka obviously whips in dangerous corners and Erdegaard stands over most of the free kicks. So I think that could play a part. I think the key points, though, really in this one, um, but Kayo Saka needs to keep up this strike rate, man. He's got three in the last four games since we come back from Dubai. He's playing really well, and we need him to keep up that strike rate. Like I've said before on here, that Saka has to be our most seller. That, that's what we're looking for. He has to be our Haaland. He's going to be the person that needs to lead this team in goals. I think he should be getting 25 goals a season. I I think his output has been low, um, partly because he's so young. He's still learning and he's getting better and it's obviously improving every year. But he needs to keep up this strike rate. Three and four is about where we, where we need him to be if we're going to go on and do anything. Um, interestingly, he's failed to score in his six Premier League appearances against Burnley. So hopefully he can put that right and get a, get a goal or two tomorrow and that will that will really push him push him forward and kick him on like we need him to. Um, Martinelli failed to score against West Ham. We got six no Martinelli goals that was a bit of a surprise. He'll be looking to put that right again tomorrow. Um, the wide players are always key for us and Martin Erdegaard he's just playing some sensational football thought against West Ham that was a real 10 out of 10 performance. it was he was crazy good against West Ham. And he's been that way for most of the season. He had a little quiet spell when he was carrying a knock, um, when he had the hip injury and then the concussion. But he's come back and he's he's playing absolutely fantastic at the minute out of his skin. So I think it's going to be really, really important to get Erdegaard on the ball early and often. And I think you, I think you will see that definitely. Um, so. I think it's probably going to be the same team that started against West Ham. I personally think Tommy Asu will start on the bench. I don't think you'll see him from the start. Like I said before, you'll have a stronger bench than we had against West Ham and hopefully see some players come on and get some minutes. Other news, um, Arteta did speak about Kylian Mbappe in his press conference. We spoke about this yesterday and I said I didn't really think it was a possibility um, but Arteta's quote was, "When there's a player of that calibre, we always have to be in the conversation." But as you said, it looks like it will go a different way. So that's kind of what we thought, right? Like I think whenever these players come up, all the big clubs have to ask the question, right? United, Liverpool, Man City, even Chelsea, Barcelona, Bayern—they're all going to be in touch with Mbappe's people. You know, what does he want? What's he looking for? Would he be interested? It'd be negligent of a big club not to do that. It was the same when we bought Declan Rice. You know, Over the summer, we, we, we spoke on here about it. We said that every club is going to have phoned Rice's people and said, hey, you know, what's the deal? Can we make this happen? They have to do that. But I think like with Rice, where the decision had already been made that he was coming to us, I think with Mbappe, the decision's been made for a long time that when he leaves Paris Saint-Germain, He is going to Real Madrid. I fully expect that to be the case. I don't see any other outcome other than that. And I think it's a deal that's been done for a long time. Even if they're still crossing T's and dotting I's, it is going to happen. I don't think we're in the running. I don't think we were ever in the running, really, since he was a kid. And we nearly signed him when Arsene Wenger went over to try and get him from Monaco on a free transfer. Um, That was the time we had a chance to get Mbappe. Not now. I just just don't see it. And and it's going to be a struggle for Real Madrid too, because he's on an awful lot of money. I think it's the best part of a million quid a week, plus his bonuses there, it tops him up to about two million a week. I think it's over a hundred million a year that he earns. That's going to be tough for anybody to do and stay inside FFP. Uh, The fact that you don't have to pay a transfer fee is obviously a big deal, but that's still a lot of money. That's a lot of money for anyone to come up with. One thing on the reporting on this that I do find weird, um, both Ornstein and um, Romano both Fabrizio Romano both said that the terms of his exit are yet to be agreed and I don't really get that his contract is up on June 30th so what terms are there to be agreed he leaves or he or he doesn't I'm not really sure where that come from I know there's bonus payments and stuff involved but that's done once the contracts work through the contract is complete and everything should be done so I'm not sure what that is about um, I did actually ask the question to David Ornstein on Twitter but I haven't had a response if I do I'll let you know but I I just that bit was just a little bit a little bit weird to me. Um, Also something we spoke about yesterday was Carlos Cuesta and his links with the Norwich job. Uh, Arteta basically echoed what I said um, and I'll tell you what he said right now. He said Yeah, that's great what has happened, not only with the coaching staff, but also certain other staff, that other clubs are trying to come in and get them, which is always a really good sign that they're doing a good job and we have the right people here. That's what we said yesterday, right? Like, I think it's it's a compliment when people do that. It's a sign that you're doing well, and it's an inevitability when you're doing well that people are going to want to try and get some of that magic pixie dust. They're going to want to come and try and take what you've got, um, at least get some sort of share in it. So I think we're going to see that a lot. Like I said, Albert Stuivenberg's been linked to Ajax. He'll be linked to other places as well. Carlos Cuesta, You'll probably see Molina linked with other places. Like this is what's going to happen. Successful teams have players and staff that are in demand, and we're in that we're in that boat now. And I think it's a I think it's a good thing. Um, whether he goes or whether he goes or not, I think it's a good thing that people want our coaching staff. And the other thing to remember is it's not always a bad thing to get a to get a turnover. Um, you know, you could argue that towards certainly towards the second half of Arsene Wenger's reign, he was actually hampered by the fact we had such a settled staff that never changed because he was never challenged. There was no fresh ideas, no fresh faces. Manchester United were benefiting from different coaching staff, different people being brought in. They went from Brian Kidd to Steve McLaren to Carlos Kirosh, these are fresh faces with fresh ideas that are coming in and I think United benefited from that where we just kind of tended to stagnate a little bit so I think it's it's not necessarily a bad thing um from what I hear that there's not much chance of it happening Carlos Quest is also only 28 it would make him the youngest manager in the football league by quite a distance um it would be a very brave appointment for Norwich um so I'd I'm not really sure I see it happening yet, but it is something that will happen in the future. We are going to lose coaching staff to managerial roles places and good on them. them, Hopefully their careers progress and they they keep building. You know, one day, who knows, we might want them back as a manager one day. So go apply your trade, learn your stuff and, and see where it goes. Just to finish up today, um, we always used to do the section of who am I, uh, without Paz and Juz there's no real need to do that, there's no one to guess, so I'm not going to guess at my own who am I." So I figured what we'd do, we'd just talk a little bit about a player that's played for both teams, there's a few to choose from with Burnley, Um, I think there's four or five that have played for both teams, but I figured today we'll put the spotlight on Lee Dixon. Um, Lee Dixon came through at Burnley. He was an apprentice at Burnley. Played four games for him before he left there for Chester. Um, He then went on to Berry and Stoke before George Graham brought him to Arsenal. He obviously was a key, key part of that famous back four. He made 619 appearances for Arsenal which puts him full, full time in the appearance records. He's won four league titles, three FA Cups, a League Cup, a Cup Winners' Cup, a true legend at Arsenal. Um, And interestingly, he was also the second player that I got a signed picture of for the Junior Gunners. So for those that don't know, I don't know what it's like nowadays, but back then, we're talking late 80s, um, you used to say who your favourite player was and they'd send you a signed picture of him. My first one was Paul Merson back in 1988. Um, And my second one was Lee Dixon. So hopefully Lee's proud of that. Uh, And he's gone on to be... uh, very successful commentator, no matter whether you like him or not. I know he's not the most popular. I quite like dicko but then again, I am very biased. So that's it for today. Um, just wanted to share that with you. I'll be back with you after the Burnley game to give some thoughts on what hopefully will be uh, another good win and a step closer to the ultimate aim, which is obviously winning the Premier League title. Have a good Friday, everybody. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow, and I will speak to you after. Goodbye.